Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message that Tom Job gave on Sunday morning, November 21st, 2021, from the Gospel of John in chapter 1. Guys, I wanted to read to you from, this comes from the Gospel of John. The, um, I just got this idea from... Uh, the idea that if we believe essential things about Jesus, it would change us in specific essential ways. There's, you know, like in um, the letters that Paul, that almost all of the letters that the Apostle Paul write, there's, they start out, like the first half is, here's some stuff you need to know about Jesus and about yourself. And then the second half are like, well, if you believe this, then you should be this way and you should live this way. It's just kind of logical. So like Ephesians 1 through 3, there's something you need to know about yourself, and then 4, 5, and 6, and this is the way you should be. So I just got thinking about essential things about Jesus. If we believe then that Jesus is alive and risen from the dead, then we would be this way, essentially. We will be this way. We are this way. If we believe that Jesus died for us, we would be this way. If we believe that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we would be this way. And then I just thought, what about Jesus before the creation of time, before the creation of the world. In John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. You know, there's something... I thought about this this week that every, like we have a holiday for, to celebrate when Jesus rose from the dead and a holiday to celebrate when Jesus was born, a holiday for everything. There's not a holiday to celebrate the day the world was created. Isn't that funny? But in middle, medieval times, they believed that it was October the 23rd, 4004 BC. So it's weird that that's not a holiday. But um, anyway. In him was life, and life was the light of all people, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't overcome it. In verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only one, the only, the one and only God who is from the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, help us to understand words that are so beyond our ability to understand. Help us to be transformed by them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So, um, Christmas is, I mean, it's already here, kind of. You know what I mean? It's already here. And I just, I was, I always think about at Christmas, there's so many mysteries and inexplicable things about Christmas. Ever since I was a kid, you know, I just think, Santa, how does he do how does he get all those places? There's a, um, some sociologist said that if Santa only went to like Christian homes, which that's a whole theological question, but um, it, the average family, Christian family in the world has three kids and it would be, they estimated 233,030,000 homes. And that if he traveled with the sun, it gives him 32 hours, but he would visit 1,800 homes per second. <laughs> That's a mystery. Other, you know, there's other, other, like, 
mysterious things that like there's no real answer to like it's a wonderful life which I know you guys are probably getting ready to make your date to see it but um the most perfect movie ever except at the very end they're singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing which is perfect it's just like a Charlie Brown Christmas just ended on that and when Harry gets there who did not put any money in the plate by the way um they switch to Auld Lang Syne oh Oleg, that is the weirdest decision. I mean, I just don't understand how they made that decision. Oleg sign, what does that even mean? Should old acquaintance be forgot or never brought to mind? I don't, are you saying they should or shouldn't? I just don't know what you're, I don't know what you're saying, but the Star of Bethlehem, what was it really? Nobody, nobody really knows. I remember when I was about eight, one Christmas Eve, and I was out in the street in our house and just looking, and it was a clear Christmas Eve, and I saw a star that it looked to me brighter than the other stars. And it seemed, in my mind, it looked to me like it was getting brighter. And I thought, what if that's the star of Bethlehem? And it's gonna shine again tonight. And it means that Jesus is gonna come back tonight. And I was so excited about that. And um, I didn't accept Jesus till I was 20. But I guess I've been weird pretty much the whole time. But there's some, um, just, but Christmas itself, it has so many, there are so many mysteries. Christmas means, Christ, the Christ means the Christ, the Messiah, and the mass part is, a short, is short for the Latin, the Latin word for mission, and it's about the mission of Christ to save humanity, to save humans, to save human dreams, to save human futures, to save human hopes, to save humans not only spiritually, but mentally and emotionally and psychologically. All of the hope of humanity, all of the hope of every individual that my life might wind up being something other than a disappointment and a delusion, that my life could possibly take a direction other than worse that our world might one day be what it was always supposed to be but never has been, rested in one person being who he was to be and doing what he was to do. But there's so many mysteries that we have no answer for when we think about the mission of Jesus like like John said in chapter one, in the beginning, and this is the beginning that goes before the in the beginning of Genesis chapter one, verse one, when God created the heavens and the earth. This was before that. He said the word, talking about Jesus, was God. The word was almighty God, the only one there is. In Isaiah chapter, I think like 44, Almighty God said, is there any other God besides me? I know of none. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it, said, it says, Shabba Israel, hear, O Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, ad, the Lord our God, Adonai Echad, the Lord is one. There is only one true personal God. There is, he is the only one there is. And the word was God. 
And then John said, and the word was with God. And you're like, with who? With what? How could that be? How could it be with who? If he's the only one, who could he be with? And then you do more like research in the scriptures and find that this one true personal God, the only God there is, is God the Father. But also the only true God there is, the only personal God, the only one, is God the Son. And then you read further and find out the only personal God, there is only one, there is no one besides him, is God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but only one true and personal God. And you're like, how could this be? How could it be? And you know, people have said down through the centuries, oh, it's easy, it's like an egg. You have like the yolk, you have the white, and you have the shell. No, that is not it. That is like three parts to one thing. It's not the same thing. And some people say, oh, it's like my dad. My dad is my dad. My dad is my mom's husband. And my dad is the bowling champion of greater Knox County. It's like, no, that is three titles to one person. It's not the same thing. I remember one year, I came in third in our, the old people's age group in the Knoxville Marathon, and, and the, our classification was senior grandmasters. And I was like, no, that is saying the same thing three times. It's rubbing it in, but it's just, it's not, you know, so like, but what the scriptures say is there's one true personal God, and this, and the one God exists in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have all always lived in community, one with their, another. How, how, how could that be? I don't know. And you don't know. So, uh, but, and then you think, and then the scripture said that almighty God, the one true and personal God, almighty God, the son, became a human being. What? Became a real, not a real human being. It, it, he didn't just seem like a human being, like, you know, Superman, who sometimes, you know, presented as Clark Kent, but was, wasn't really normal, but, but actually a real human being. In fact, the weakest kind of human being, a human infant, almighty God, and a human baby there, you know, in Psalm 121, it says that all night long, all the time, God watches over you and he never sleeps. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem and he slept 20 hours out of 24, like all babies do. It's, it says that on the fourth day, he spoke and the sun and the moon and the stars came into being a hundred thousand million stars in our galaxy, which is 600 trillion miles across. And there are a hundred thousand million galaxies like ours with just a word. And he was born in Bethlehem and sometimes he was colicky and he cried all the time. And Mary's like, I fed you, I changed you. I've done everything, I've rocked you. Tell me what you need. And all he did, all he did was, was cry and how could it be? <clears throat> Almighty God, for unto us um, a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
and his name will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, a baby. How could it be? I don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery. You don't know either how it could possibly be. And he came here on a mission, and the mission was, I guess, to, I mean, a variety of things, I guess, to teach us how a human being should really live. I mean, but I didn't see it. I wasn't there. He primarily came for the mission of what he called the hour. In John chapter 2, John chapter 7, in John chapter 8, there are certain things that didn't happen. And Jesus said, it's because my hour has not yet come. And then in chapter 12 and in chapter 13, he said, the hour has come. My hour has come. The hour for which he came into the world for his mission, the hour that he called the hour of the power of darkness. It was the hour where he would be mistreated and he would be beaten, he would be tortured, and he would be stripped. And he, he was the one who created the human neurological system, which is a system of alarms and alerts, telling you to get away from something that is hurting you. If something is sharp and it's cutting you, it's telling you to get away from it. But he couldn't get away from it because he was nailed to a post and beam in, and in those hours, he had come to absorb in himself the consequences and the penalty and all of the pain for all of the messy, horrible ugliness of everything that we've done and said and thought. And primarily, the worst part of it was in the middle of the nailing and being nailed when in an incomprehensible compression of eternity into three hours of global darkness, he would be banished from the presence of God because that's what we deserve. And he was taking it for us. And you're like, wait a minute. He was God. How could be God be banished from God? How could Almighty God be separate in any way from Almighty God? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it could be. It's inconceivable and unimaginable to us. But when you think about it, it only makes sense that when all of the solutions that we have conceived and imagined to the problems of humanity and the world have failed. The solution that truly solves the problems of humans would be one that would be for us unimaginable and inconceivable. So almighty God, the one personal true God who lives in community of three distinct persons? How could it be? I don't know. Almighty God becoming a real human being? How? I don't know. Almighty God separated in those dark hours from Almighty God? How could it be? 
I don't know. But if you change the question, the answer is simple. And it's always the same answer. Why? Why was Almighty God for a time, a dark time, banished from the presence of Almighty God? It was because of love. Um, John said, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the sacrifice that paid for all of our ugliness. Paul said, Paul said, he said, um, oh, there's a place where John said, John, John, you know, John said, well, there's a ton of places where it said that Jesus did it because he loved us and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. There's really only one place that says, because Jesus loves me, because he loves us. In Revelation chapter one, I guess it's, I think it's around verse five, to him who loves us and has loosed us from our sins in his own blood. He loves us. Do you know the real reason why Jesus did that? Like why Jesus was willing to bear all of that? And I hate to really put it like this, but it's true. It's because he loved me. Sorry, it's, that's why he did. But Paul said too, he said, Jesus was the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And you can say it. You can say the reason he did it was because he loved me. Okay, let's say it together, okay? Why did Jesus do it? Say it together. Because he loved me. Okay, a little bit louder. Why did he do it? Because he loved me. Brendan Manning, I remember Brendan Manning, he used to always sign his letters, the disciple that Jesus loved. And I was like, wow. But that's how John calls himself in the Gospel of John, the disciple that Jesus loves. It's not arrogance, it's courage to say that. You know, one time, so one time uh, we were at... Um, we were, Tina and I were, we went to front, with Don and Judy Sharp, we went to, to Frontier Ranch, which is a Young Life uh, camp for a, for a week. And um, we were just guests there. Bill, Bill was our area director back then. And um, so we were back in the back. And so, you know, they would have a, just the greatest time ever and all that stuff. And then, and then in the evening, they'd have club and they'd sing, they'd laugh, and they'd, do, they'd watch these skits and stuff. And then somebody was giving them a talk about Jesus. And every night, the talk got a little bit more why Jesus is the best friend you could ever have. Why Jesus, what is wrong with people? Why is the world so full of hurt and hate? And why is every heart so full of hurt and hate? And, but there were some kids from Oklahoma, and they sat back, kind of back where we were, and they were talking all the time and kind of cutting up and joking around while the talks were going on. And I started to pray for them, and I started to pray that they would start to listen, that the message would catch them. And it did by Tuesday, Wednesday. They were really quiet and they were really listening. And then on Thursday night, the guy that was giving the talks was talking about why Jesus died in that horrible way. And he said he did it because he loved the world, but he did it because he loves you. And then he started to do something. There were probably 500 kids there. He started to do something I'd never see, heard anybody do. He said, he did it because he loves you, Brianna. And he loves you, Andrew. And he loves you, Caitlin. And he started naming kids that he knew at the camp. By the end of the week, he knew all the kids' names at the camp. And he's just naming kids. Well, then one of the kids that was back there with us that had been talking to him started talking. And in my heart, I started saying, don't talk now. Don't talk now. You need to listen. This is the most important thing you've ever heard. Don't talk. Please listen. Listen. 
And then I listened. And what she was saying was, say Jashonda. Say Jashonda. Say Jashonda. And he said, he did it for you, Jashonda. And I was like, yes. So, <laughs> oh, almighty God, how was it that he became a real human being? I don't know. Why did he do it? It was love. It was a word. It was, Jesus was the word. A word is like a word is a concept that you don't really have in your mind until it's spoken. You know, like, if, if there's, like when we learned Italian, they have certain words that um, we don't have. And then when I learned them, I'm like, how have I lived my whole life without this word? Like they have the word simpatico, like somebody is real simpatico, which we have the word sympathetic, but it's a completely different thing. Simpatico is somebody who is fun, they're kind, they're enthusiastic, they're joyful, they just bring joy everywhere. Um, kind of like the guy that does carpool karaoke, uh, you know, that guy, like he's real kind of that way. And it's just like, how have I lived, you know, without this word? And then so when Jesus came, this is like the heart of God. He came to say it and to show it and to be it. What is God like? Just watch this. So there's a place in Mark chapter 10 when Jesus called himself the son of man. That's what he used to call himself. And it, it, but that's a phrase that means more than it sounds like. It means it comes from Daniel chapter 7, where in Daniel chapter 7, the son of man is like a heavenly being who comes to earth to conquer it and to have a eternal dominion over the earth and angels and everyone worships him so when the son of man came into our world Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 the son of man didn't come to be served but he came to serve this is his heart. There's a place in John chapter 12 where John is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah said, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And it was like Almighty God on his throne. And angels were worshiping him. They were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And John says in John chapter 12 that Isaiah, the one that he's, the Almighty God that he saw on his throne was Jesus. And then in the next chapter, at a private dinner with his friends, Jesus got up and took his clothes off and put a towel around his waist, filled a bucket with water, and started to wash their feet like a slave would. This is the God we worship. The in Philippians chapter 2, it says, even though he was in the form of God, talking about Jesus. And even though he was, in, he was God in all of his glory, he didn't consider that something to hold on to, but he emptied himself and he took the form of a servant and he humbled himself. And in the Greek language where it says, even though, that is a word that could also be translated since. Since he was God in all of his glory, the God we have. He didn't hold on to it, but he gave himself away. This is the God we have. The word is love. There's a, there's a, there's a Christmas song that I, oh gosh, I'm probably, a few years ago, I'm I, I hate to spoil this for anybody, but it's a Christmas song I've always loved, and I don't like it anymore. And it's the one I'm sorry if this wrecks your Christmas, but it's the one that says, some children see him, lily white, the baby Jesus born this night, 
Some children see him lily white with tresses long and fair. Some children see him bronze and brown, the Lord from heaven to earth come down. Some children see him bronzed and brown with dark and heavy hair. Some children see him almond-eyed. The infant king we kneel beside. The, you know, it's a song that basically says, the reason I believe Jesus loves me is because I believe Jesus was like me. And you can believe that he loves you and you can believe that he's like you. To think that may, way may be what's wrong with a lot of Christians in our country. Because he was a word. It was a word spoken. Jesus was the word. And I believe that God intended us to listen to that word. And when Almighty God was born into our world, he was born a dark brown skinned Middle Eastern Jewish baby. And he grew up to become a dark brown skinned Middle Eastern Jewish boy. And he grew up to become a dark brown skinned Middle Eastern Jewish man. I was talking to my friend Antoine Friday on the phone and Antoine, he's one of my, he was one of my best friends in Italy. He's Lebanese. He's a dark brown skinned Middle Eastern um, Christian. And he grew up Catholic in Lebanon. And he said they got their Sunday school stuff from America. And he said, I always wondered why Jesus looked like people like you rather than like people like, like me. But the reason that Jesus was born a dark brown skinned Middle Eastern Jewish person is because Paul said he came to save dark brown skinned Middle Eastern Jewish people first. But the amazing thing about his heart is that he also loves just as much people who don't look like him. He loves Asians and he loves Africans and he loves light brown skinned Latino people and he loves dark brown skinned Latino people and he loves white people. He loves everybody the same even if they're not like him. And it was because of love. And you think, how could it be that one God exists in three distinct persons? And the answer is, I don't know. If you say, why? Oh, that's easy. It's because of love. God is love. For God to be loved, he would, there has to be someone to love. If God is love, and there was no one to love, he would have had to have created us to have someone to love. That is not a pressure that I want on myself to satisfy the, the most fundamental needs of the heart of God. But he's always been love, and he's always been in love, in a community of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in love. And we, he made us just because there was so much love that he needed some place for it to spill. It's kind of like the way young couples, when they're getting married, and I'm trying to get them ready, and I say, I'm going to tell you something I want you to do, and I'm telling you, do not get a dog. Before you have kids, do not get a dog. You will never be this free in your entire life. When you're married and don't have kids, you can go wherever you want, and you'll get a dog, and you know, and they always do. They 
they always get a dog. And the reason is because their love is so great and it's just overflowing and they just have to have something else to love so they get a dog to, to love. And it was about love. How could it be that God, the one God in three persons, I don't know why, love, how could it be Almighty God became a human being? I don't know how. Why? Oh, love. How could it be that God would be separated from God? I don't know. Well, why? It's just love. That's why love, if I believe that, that's why love is the most important of all. That's why Paul says the goal of everything I teach is love. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's, he said, no matter what, about your faith, if there's no love in it, and love is kind, love sees the dignity and the infinite value in every human being. That's what he means when he says love isn't rude. Love thinks the best about people, wants to know the best about people, doesn't rejoice in the worst about people. Love, in, first Corinth, in, first, in Ephesians chapter five, he said, he said be imitators of God and live a life of love. If I believe that God, if I believe in God and I, and God is love and I don't believe in love, I may not really believe in God as much as I think I do because he's love. If in any situation in your life, if the answer that comes to you is hate, if, it, if the answer that comes to you is to say a hateful word, or to tweet a hateful tweet, or to post a hateful post, or to think a hateful thought, you can know for certain that is the wrong answer. You know, some, like, if God is love, I mean, it generates other questions. Like, if God is love, why are there so many mean people in the world? I don't know. If God is love, why are there so many people that are going to be lost forever? I don't know. If God is love, why is there so much suffering in the world? I don't know. But if you change the question, the answer is always the same, and it's simple. How do I deal with the mean people in the world? Love them. Love. When people say unkind things about you, love them. When people do unkind things to you, love them. If, there are, if God is love, why are there so many people that are going to be lost forever? I don't know. How do I diminish that number? Love them. Love. What if we loved? What if all we did was love? If God is love, why is there so much suffering in the world? I don't know. How do I help the suffering of the world? Love them. Love. Just love. I feel like the rest of my life and the time that I have left in my life on earth, and I think this, is, this should be true like for everyone who is a follower of Jesus, that all I should think about is the goal in my life. What if everybody who followed Jesus felt this way? The goal of the time that I have left is to know as many mean people 
as I possibly can, as many lost people as I possibly can, and as many suffering people as I possibly can, and love them, and love all of them. Can I read you one? I'm done. Can I read you one thing? Okay, so th this is just something, this was a letter. This, there was a woman, I used to love to read her articles. Her name was Linda Riley. I don't really know who she was, but she wrote, she only, she wrote the best articles, but she said one time that she wrote an article for the magazine of her denomination on empathy and how it's important. And, and back in those days, before they had the internet and stuff, uh, they put her name, and for some reason they put her address. And so people would write to her and say what they thought. Well, she got a letter from this woman that said this, Miss Riley, of course we all know that you are a hypocrite. You say you love, you do not. I am a widow, I have gone to many churches and have found no love. You are all a bunch of hypocrites. You don't really have empathy at all and should not be writing about it. There are so many exclamation points. Harlots and whoremongers will enter heaven before you. And she signed her name and address. And she said she was gonna just throw it in the garbage, but she thought about it and said, she noticed one thing. Her letter had been written in very large letters with many exclamation points, much underlining. She was angry. Two. She mentioned widowhood and the church's lack of health. She was lonely, grieving. She, she was unhealed and unhelped. Three, she signed her name. She wanted to be known. Four, she gave her address. She wanted a response. And she wrote back to her and said this, I am very sorry to hear, very sad to hear that you're a widow and are now alone. That must be hard. And I'm sorry for the hardship it has cost you. I am also sorry that churches and Christians have disappointed you. Please forgive us. Please look to Jesus, who is the only one who ever lived, who is perfect. He will never disappoint you. He loves you very much and would like to help you find some answers to make your life better. And then she suggested some grief groups that she could go to, and she said, I'm enclosing a book on grief that many friends have found, have found helpful. Also, please accept this gift as a token of my good wishes and prayers on your behalf. This teddy bear is from our family's personal collection of teddies. He is a good bear, and he has volunteered to leave our family and travel far away and keep you company. His name is Alfred. My littlest one wants you to know, it's always good to sleep with a teddy, even if you're a grown-up. May you know the love and peace of God. Love, Linda. And the lady wrote her back and said, Dear Mrs. Riley, I was greatly surprised to receive your letter and gifts. No one ever responds to my letters. No one has given me anything in a long time. As you know, there is not much Christian love in the world. I will read the book, and I have placed Alfred in my living room where the cat and I enjoy looking at him. Thank you for everything. I will try your suggestions. Lord, Jesus, we love you. <laughs> Let us be. Teach us to be. Help us to be. Help us to grow into kingdom agents of love in the world. In your name, in the name of love, if the word was God, and if God is love, then the word is love. 
Well, I want to see through your eyes Say my life is your life Make every single day Another chance to say I want to please you more I want to love you, Lord I want to live like I'm your child And I want to make you smile today Another chance to say